morning, everybody. Welcome to Monday's edition of the We Tackle Life podcast, March 29th. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you along, whether you're watching on Facebook, whether you're watching on Periscope via Twitter, or however you're accessing the podcast on tape later. Appreciate you very much taking the time to listen. We'll talk some NCAA basketball tournament today. Uh, the most interesting part of college basketball right now is it concerns um, my coverage of Ohio State for Press Pros Magazine and probably your interest as an Ohio State fan in the Buckeyes is Indiana's contact with Chris Holtman. I don't know if I can say flirtation. I don't know who was flirting with who, but uh, there's a cost to that, and we'll discuss that. And how weird it is now that a uh, coach, since they couldn't get the current Ohio State coach, they got the old Ohio State coach, Thad Mata, whose name hangs in the rafters of Value City Arena, and now he'll be doing his dead-level best to uh, put Ohio State basketball under Indiana basketball in the Big Ten pecking order, which at present it certainly is not given the fact that Chris Holtman is, what, seven out of eight against Archie Miller? Six out of seven against Archie Miller? Whatever it is, he's dominated Archie Miller. So we got a lot to talk about. And I want to touch in the faith portion of the podcast today um, on faith and culture and their intersection because I think the faith portion of the podcast is not doing its job if it's not useful to you in your everyday life. And so we endeavor to do that. Chris and I, when Chris was part of the podcast, I endeavor to do it now uh, with the podcast going forward. And I think there's definitely a place uh, to discuss that and to talk about what's true and what's not true and to equip you and arm you for important conversations that I think can play a role in the healing of our nation, which obviously needs healing at this very rancorous time that we are in. So let's start with a reminder that Hemisphere Coffee Roasters is the official coffee of the We Tackle Life podcast and hopefully your coffee of choice as well. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters will accept uh, your order via their online portal, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com, and you get 15% off because you're a listener of the podcast if you use the podcast code We Tackle Life in all caps. Tell them that you heard about it here and avail yourself of all their great coffee. Their newest flavor is bourbon barrel aged coffee, which I believe is a bean imported from Indonesia. And then they roll it in a bourbon barrel up and down the hallways of their facility in Mechanicsburg, Ohio, and it infuses the bean with a little bourbon taste. So if that's what floats your boat, great. If you like their Hunter's Blend, their House Blend, their Java Blues, their Jamaica Me Crazy, they have many, many flavors. You can get it light, medium, and dark roast. The coolest thing about Hemisphere is that it is a ministry with impact. Uh, they call it BAM, business and ministry. So it has impact, as the word BAM implies. They buy coffee direct from growers around the world. Those growers have then more money than they would get going through government middlemen to sell their coffee internationally. That allows those growers to plug into their local communities. And as you can imagine, in Nicaragua, Indonesia, Thailand, Ethiopia, these countries, they're not wealthy countries. But in those local markets, great things happen uh, in the ministry realm and in the commerce realm because of what Hemisphere Coffee does. And they can only do it if you patronize them. So K-Cups, yes, they have them. They will grind the beans for you. They will send you the whole bean, however you like it. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Remember that name, and please order from HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Okay, let's get to, shall I bury the lead and talk about Ohio State after the Sweet 16? There's not much to talk about on the Sweet 16. Uh, it's weird to me that we got Elite Eight games tonight and tomorrow. Uh, the Saturday games, uh, the Oral Roberts game was a great game. Um, 
I thought Oral Roberts might win that game. Uh, they had a shot at the end. I do love the fact that there's no advance the ball to half court on a timeout in the final minute. That's a stupid rule. The NBA should get rid of that rule. It's a contrived artificial rule. And uh, I agree with Mike DeCorsi of the Sporting News that that was an exciting finish. And you shouldn't get an advantage just because you have a timeout left at the end of a game. Uh, Baylor over Villanova. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I thought Jay Wright might be able to outcoach Scott Drew. Uh, Loyola. Wow. Oregon State over Loyola. That was surprising because Oregon State's a 12. They're not a great team. Loyola looked like a great team against Illinois. And Loyola was never comfortable in that game. And Oregon State just deed them up. Which, that's not so much the story to me, is that Loyola ran a layup line. A layup line on short prep against Illinois and Brad Underwood and all the great talent they have at Illinois. And then Loyola looked inept on offense against Oregon State, which makes me wonder about Brad Underwood as a coach. And then the other game, Houston and Syracuse. Syracuse, Houston made them super uncomfortable defensively. So I would expect, um, you know, that because Syracuse was kind of a paper tiger. They get a great draw and um, not surprised. Now, on the Sunday games, man, Gonzaga's good. <laughs> wow, are they good. Boy, do they pass the ball. Now, I can't tell if they're good because nobody's really deed them up yet. Uh, that could be, uh, when they get deed up, maybe it'll be a different story, um, but they look really, really good, and uh, I don't love them, but do I think USC can beat them? Probably not. Um, in the other uh, games on Saturday, Sunday rather, I thought Florida State would be way more competitive against Michigan than they were. What a disappointment. Florida State... <laughs> They, they can D up. They're big. They're tall. I thought they'd give Michigan problems. Florida State's just stupid with the ball. They didn't value the ball at all, and that was never a game. And really, UCLA-Alabama, I know it went to overtime, but uh, UCLA was the better team throughout that game. Bama, shoot free throws. Holy smokes, were they awful on the free throw line. So uh, Michigan-UCLA, yeah, I figure Michigan will win that game, although UCLA's got a little something-something going with Mick Cronin. I'm happy for Mick. Uh, so we'll see how that one goes. All right, so we got games tonight and games tomorrow. Now, the real story of Sunday, of course, was Mike Woodson at Indiana hired as head basketball coach. This felt to me like they wanted Porter Mosier, and they wanted a quick answer from Porter Mosier. I'm not saying this is true. I'm just saying it's what it felt to me like. They wanted a quick answer from Porter Mosier after Loyola got beat, and either Porter Mosier didn't want to give him an answer right away, or maybe they just... I don't know what. Maybe they were. Maybe they wanted Holtman. Maybe they really thought the Holtman thing. They'd wait till the end and swoop in and steal Chris Holtman away. But whatever reason, they hire Mike Woodson. All right. So this is clearly a copycat move. Uh, college basketball is, I guess, in this instance, become like the NFL, where somebody's running the Wildcat. Let's all run the Wildcat. Somebody's playing the forty-six Buddy Ryan defense. Let's all play that. <laughs> so now Jawan Howard is winning at Michigan, and he came from the NBA, so it's like Indiana's like, oh, let's hire an alum who's got NBA experience. He's never been in college. It worked for Jawan Howard. It worked for Michigan. Well, here's the difference. Mike Woodson's 63. Jawan Howard can, like, portray himself as, like, a current player NBA guy, right? And Jawan Howard has ties to LeBron. Who's on the Knicks that anybody, uh, or the Hawks, where Mike Woodson's coached, that anybody in college basketball goes, whoa, I want to be like him. Do a bunch of college guys want to be like Porzingis? Do a bunch of guys want to be like Trey Young? Uh, I don't think so. So, look, I'm inherently skeptical of this because I want Indiana to be bad, and I want them to be perpetually bad. 
but it feels like a desperation hire. They're taking a big chance. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it will. Um, but I don't see Mike Woodson's name doesn't resonate with any current high school players. They don't remember Mike Woodson playing for Indiana. And they don't remember Mike Woodson being a journeyman pro or standing out as an NBA coach. Uh, you hire Eric Spolstra, that might get some attention. Hire Brad Stevens, obviously that would get some attention. But um, So I don't think they get any real super buzz out of that. I mean, on a one-on-one basis, recruiting-wise, talking to him about the NBA, I'll get you to the NBA, I know the NBA, I understand the NBA. Yeah, I mean, he can play that card. It's the only card he's got to play. So I would expect him to play it. Now, here's the interesting part of the hire, is that they hired Thad Mata as their AD for basketball operations. Now, this is fishy. It's fishy in that it's, it's legal. I mean, it's just like, I give Indiana credit. Okay, I'll say it right now. I'll give Indiana credit. It's, a, it's an interesting hire to, but they're copying Michigan through and through with a little spin on it. Like, Michigan has Phil Martelli on the bench, who I believe is probably the real brains behind the outfit up there. But Michigan also had an unbelievably solid, fantastic, great foundation already built for Juwan Howard to come in and finish the house on. Like, what John Beeline left him was amazing. Culturally, strength program, player development, all that. Howard just swooped in. He's just cashing a check from John Beeline's account right now. Um, So that's all that is. Indiana doesn't have that foundation, okay? They haven't been in the NCAA tournament. They got a bazillion guys leaving. This is why they hired Woodson when they hired him. Because if they didn't, they wouldn't have anybody left on a roster. They got six guys, I think, in a transfer portal. Now, he'll probably get some of those guys back, but they got issues, okay? So they had to get a coach because they were just dying on the vine. You can't be in limbo forever. Uh, Is Thad the coach in waiting? Some people say that. I don't think so. Like, I don't think Thad – I haven't talked to Thad since he left OSU. Um, I love Thad at OSU. I was all the way in on Thad. Now Thad's joined the enemy. Now Thad's Benedict Arnold. I understand it. I don't blame Thad for doing it. He misses the game, and he feels he has a lot to add to the game, and I would agree he has a lot to add to the game. And I don't dislike Thad for taking the job. Fine. Good for I'm happy for Thad. But it's just like, you know, look, you've joined the enemy, so you're the enemy. That's the way I look at it. Um, I wish Thad well personally. I don't wish him well professionally. Because he joined the enemy. Solely because he's joined the enemy. Because I like Thad. Thad's impossible not to like. But did I mention this? He joined the enemy. Okay? So it's weird to me that... It's not weird to me that he did it because I get it. Like wanting to like stick it in Ohio State's grill because they fired you. Totally understand it. Big Ten job. Indiana job. He can commute from India if he wants to. They're building 37, the crappy four-lane divided highway into an interstate highway. Have fun with that commute while they're doing it, by the way. Um, But he could, if he wanted to, commute from Indy uh, to Bloomington. I don't know if he has to be there every day. He'll probably get a condo in Indy. His His wife will stay in Indy. Who wants to live in Bloomington if you can live in Indy? Not me. Maybe not Thad. Maybe not Barbara Mata. I don't know. But it's a, it's a total make-sense move for Thad. So I just want to be clear, like if Thad hears this or people tell him, Hooli's crushing you, I'm not crushing him. I'm just saying there two things can be true at once. I always say that. 
I can really like Thad Mata personally. I can really be grateful for Thad Mata's impact on Ohio State basketball. He's the best coach Ohio State's ever had. But I can't root for Thad Mata professionally now because he's joined the enemy. I think I mentioned that a time or ten. Okay, so what's his role? Well, this is where I think it's uh, smart of Indiana, and Bruce gets nervous because Thad's got Thad's a relationship guy. He's fantastic with relationships. And until I see otherwise, I will believe that Indiana's success in recruiting will come from Thad Mata's relationships. And now Thad can do everything he is good at doing, and he can avoid doing everything he hates doing, which is getting out on the road and actually doing the work of recruiting. And let me say, Thad only stopped loving that because his body wouldn't allow him to do that. What happened to Thad with his botched back surgery at Ohio State is really unfortunate because I believe he'd still be the coach at Ohio State if Thad were totally healthy and he'd be crushing it and there never would have been a lull in the program. Thad's downturn in success at Ohio State was 100% to me blamed on his physical condition and his inability to do it and he was courageous and gutty and all the things that a lot of people never knew because he's not a complainer and he never let anybody know how much pain he was in. I have tremendous admiration for him and the job he did and how he persevered and how he pushed through and how he fought and how he battled. Um, So only his health issues kept him from continuing to be great as Ohio State's head coach. That will not be a problem for him, I hope, at Indy. I want him to be whole physically, but I don't think he's ready to, like, be – taxed physically like getting out on the road and recruiting does like being at practice and being on the court every day does so he'll sit back and he'll be the puppet master of indiana basketball he'll tell them who to recruit how to recruit where to recruit he'll forge relationships with coaches and they'll be a force but that still doesn't mean mike woodson can coach you know uh, his way out of a wet paper bag as a college coach it doesn't mean that um I believe I can say this without fear of contradiction. There are no X's or O's in Mike Woodson, okay? He may be proved to be a Svengali with the strategy, but let's wait and see before we crown him such just because he has some NBA dust on him. So it's weird Thad's name hangs in the rafters at Ohio State, and now he's going to be trying to beat Ohio State, and he'd take great pleasure in beating Ohio State, and I understand that, and I would too if I were him, but I'm not him, and I wouldn't join the enemy. So there you go. Um, what about the Holtman dalliance? Okay. So what's the right word for this? Did Holtman flirt with them? Did they flirt with Holtman? Did they think, Hey, you know, uh, before we hire Woodson, you know, Hey, Holtman coached at Butler and maybe we ought to check. I mean, maybe, maybe Holtman is uh raw from losing to Oral Roberts and the way Ohio state fans have reacted to that. Have Ohio State fans reacted to that? Now, I don't listen to sports radio in Columbus, and that's not a grudge thing. It's just I've got I've got my own show to prepare for, and listening to sports radio doesn't help me prepare for that. So I listen to sources that would help me prepare for my own radio show on 98.9 The Answer. So I don't know. Did Ohio State fans call and crush him? Maybe for a day. But then it's like, hey, who's the quarterback going to be? C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, Kyle McCord. That's always the best part of being an Ohio State basketball coach is your failures get sucked up in a vortex of, hey, we got spring football, yay! Okay? Of all the people who would go to a spring football game, how many of them are dyed-in-the-wool Ohio State basketball fans when Ohio State's just average? Everybody joins the bandwagon when they're in Sweet 16. Oh, they come out of the woodwork. Yay, Buckeyes. Woohoo! 
we're good at something. Let me lord it over you. But by and large, people don't care about Ohio State basketball. They're not watching regular season games and stuff like that. Now, when they get in the top 10, it's like, hey, hey, I better get a good seat on the bandwagon, so let's get in now. But I've seen this work for 25 years, and the fact of the matter is Ohio State basketball with the fans is not nearly as important as Ohio State football. National Signing Day, when it was only in February, not in December, used to be a bigger deal to Ohio State fans than basketball. And so do I believe Chris Holtman is hurt that Ohio State fans are crushing him over losing to Oral Roberts? Well, I said the other day, and I think this is a great analogy, not because it's mine, but because I think it applies. This is Chris Holtman's first fight in his marriage with Ohio State basketball fans. They've adored him. They've loved him. He's done a great job. And I think he was stunned after their loss to Oral Roberts that the questions in the postgame were, hey, you know, you never got out of the first weekend yet. When are you going to get out of the first weekend? Now, I understand those questions because nobody knows when they're going to get to Holtman next, right? You got That's the follow-up. That's the, whoa, let's take a long view of Ohio State basketball. Well, if you're fair and you take a long view of Ohio State basketball, it's in pretty good condition. But I get why Chris Holtman would listen. Now, here's a couple possibilities, and I haven't talked to Coach. I've texted him a couple times, and he texted me back. He was, here's the thing. Here's the here's the thing that, um, I got to figure out what I can say and what I can't say. So, do I understand why he would be hurt that Ohio State fans are mad with? Uh, the loss to Oral Roberts, forgetting the progress of the program up to the Oral Roberts game. Yeah, I understand why Holtman will be mad about that. Yeah, I do, because I think he's done a tremendous job. Okay, do I think he has a better job than the Indiana job? Yeah, I do. Not because I hate Indiana basketball, but because Indiana basketball to Indiana is Ohio State football to Ohio State. Okay, You lose to a 15 at Indiana? And it is talked about all summer. All summer. Until you play again. And it's probably still talked about until you get into the Big Ten season the following year. That, of course, does not apply at Ohio State. And I think Chris is a smart guy, and I think he knows that. Okay. Now, did Indiana reach out to him because they just wanted to know, hey, by the way, before we hire this NBA guy, like, you're phenomenal, and hey, what about it? Would you be interested? I think that's a I think that's a 50% chance, maybe a 70% chance of that. This will be one of the few instances where my percentages add up to more than 100% because that drives me crazy when people do that. But do I think it's possible that Chris Holtman's agent called Indiana and said, "Hey, you know, um we kind of thought you'd call us and you haven't. Like, do you not think my guy's good?" I think that's possible. Do I think Chris Holtman directed that? No, I don't. No, I don't. Now, do I think an agent would make that call without his client telling him that? Ideally, no, but I think it is possible. So here's the deal. Chris Holtman's four years into an eight-year contract at Ohio State. This is his first fight, as I mentioned, with the Ohio State fan base. Nobody likes to coach with less than four years on their contract because recruits go, oh, I'm afraid you're going to leave, even though any good recruit now is probably not thinking any longer than two years on campus. Unrealistic though that may be, that's what they're thinking. Oh, I'll go to Ohio State, I'll play a year, go to the NBA. Oh, I'll go to Ohio State, I'll play two years, I'll go to the NBA. So I don't think the fact that Chris Holtman's entering the fifth year of an eight-year contract bothers 
uh, Malachi Branham or anybody coming to Ohio State. Okay. But I think it's possible that his agent reached out, and I think it's possible his agent reached out because his agent wants a contract extension or a sweetened deal out of Ohio State. Yeah, I think that's possible. Um, but here's what, here's what the issue is with that, okay? The issue is with that that I've Googled around and tried to find out like more on this Ohio State thing because I wasn't going to bother Coach this weekend, okay? Because I... I knew, let's put it this way. I knew where he was, kind of, sort of knew where he was, and I just wasn't going to bother him anymore. And um, you also, when you have access to the coach, don't want to like be a guy who overuses the access to the coach because there are some things worth contacting a coach about and some things not worth contacting a coach about. I will give you a little history with Bruce Hooley and Thad Mata. When Thad was at Xavier, his final year at Xavier, they lost to Duke in the Elite Eight against uh, in Atlanta. Okay, And I hung around the locker room afterward because I just had a feeling that Ohio State was going to fire. Well, I think they might have already fired Jim O'Brien. And I wanted to know, is Thad Mata interested in Ohio State? Because he was who I wanted. And so I hung around, hung around, hung around the locker room after the game, after their loss to Duke. They got screwed in that game, by the way. And anyway, um, it ended up me in the locker room with Dustin Dow from the Cincinnati Enquirer, who was their Xavier beat guy. And I think Bill Cook might have been there, uh, the Enquirer's um, UC writer, or maybe it was uh, Doc, Paul Doherty. There was one other writer there. I don't know who it was. But... I wasn't in with Thad. He didn't know who I was, but I was just hanging around on the fringes, okay? Not right in the conversation, but I was eavesdropping because I had a reason to eavesdrop. And so they got to the point where they stopped talking about the game and they started talking about, hey, when can we see you again? We'd be in the office Monday, la, 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 la. And they started talking about, you know, are you coming back? Or, you know, there's jobs out there, the high State jobs out there. And Thad, you know, when you lose in the Elite Eight, man, you're like one step from the Final Four. You don't want to deal with, like, other jobs. Like, you're still on the game. So at some point, Thad gave his home phone number to these two guys. It's like, here, yeah, you can contact me, blah, blah, blah. He gave him his number or his cell number, whatever it was. Well, I'm on the fringes of the conversation, and that's what I wanted. So I wrote that number down, okay? So then... Ohio State goes through its coaching search, and what a doofus search it was. Willis Wilson and Kevin Stallings for like the third time, and I don't, they had a bunch of nobodies, right? But Ohio State did what Indiana just did. They got to almost the end of their search, and they called Mata, and they said, hey, by the way, before we hire one of these other doofuses that'll excite nobody, are you interested and Thad was like, yeah. And so they put it together really super quick. So I got a note, uh, uh, a little, somebody gave me a heads up. Hey, they're going to hire Thad Mata tomorrow. So my deadline was uh, 11, no, my deadline was 1120, 11.20. So I wrote the story, Ohio State's going to hire Thad Mata, but but It hadn't leaked in a press yet. At 11 o'clock on the button, 
I was banking on the fact that my caller ID number would come up on Thad's phone, 614, and he'd be curious, like, wait a minute, like, is this Gene Smith, or is this, like, somebody at Ohio State, or is this some alum from Ohio State, or is this a call I should take, because I'm supposed to be in, I'm supposed to be hired tomorrow, and the word hadn't leaked out, maybe they're changing the press conference time, or maybe they're going to change the announcement time, or maybe they have a question about the press release, or whatever, so I called him at 11 o'clock, and he answered the phone, and I told him who I was, and he was like, oh, crap, I'm talking to a reporter, and I don't want to talk to a reporter. And I didn't say, hey, by the way, are you coming to Ohio State tomorrow? I played it like, hey, man, this is who I am. I'm going to be covering you at Ohio State, and I'm just super excited you're coming. And he said, thanks. That's really nice of you. Well, that's the confirmation I needed. That's all the confirmation I needed. Because if he had said, what are you talking about? Are you nuts? But I didn't give him any time to think about it. So that's how you do it. If you're Indiana, you call Chris Holtman at the very end, okay? Now, if you're Chris Holtman, what I have uh, been disappointed in to this point is that there hasn't been, to my knowledge, and I've Googled and looked, a statement from Chris Holtman like there was a statement last night from Gene Smith when the story came up that, hey, the Pac-12 commissioner job's open and They'd love to have Gene Smith. And Gene was like, no, not interested. Stay in here. Where's that statement from Chris Holtman? That statement has to happen. Because the fact that it hasn't happened is not healthy for the program. It's not. And um, I'm sure I'll get a reason why. And I think I know the reason why. And it's a good reason why. But... um, Sometimes, man, it's hard for me to tell you guys what's going on because I don't want to betray, like, a confidence. So um, I think there, in hindsight, there needed to be an immediate statement from Chris Holtman when the word leaked that I have no interest in that job. I'm firmly committed to Ohio State. We're pushing forward. we got a great class coming in, and we're going to, you know, this is my home. Uh, because, here's the deal, they are in on a five-star center from IMG Academy, and he's also wanted by some schools in the ACC area. And now those schools are using that, and you know I'm sure Chris and Ryan Peden and uh, the rest of the guys will swoop in and tell the kid, nothing to worry about, we're staying. But you don't want recruits wondering. You don't want them wondering. So that's where I am. That's where I am with that. Where are you with your health insurance? Do you know? Do you know the answers? Do you know your copay? Do you know your doctor's still in the plan you think you have? Do you think you uh, are covered at a certain hospital? Are you positive you are? You don't know? Well, I know who does know. AUIinfo.com. AUIinfo.com is a health insurance brokerage. You don't pay them. They get paid by the health insurance companies. And they're an awesome resource for you. Free resource. You say, why are you bugging me with this now? That ended in December. No, it didn't. Joe, well, it did. But uh, Joe Biden opened enrollment back up. So if you want to take a look, get a health insurance checkup. You can do it on a chat at AUIinfo.com. You don't even have to talk with anyone if you don't want to. Just type in what you have, type in what you're paying, type in what you want to pay, type in how many kids you have, family, single family, you alone, whatever. AUI Info can give you all that information. And they'll do it free. As I said, AUIinfo.com. Okay. Now let's go to um, the. Is there anything else? Oh, Ohio State football. Uh, CJ Stroud, Jack Miller, Kyle McCord, quarterback. Uh, they're loaded at running back. Man, did you see that picture of Master Teague on social media? Whoo! 
I would not be a bit surprised. I know we got Travion Henderson and, you know, a couple big recruits in here, and I know everybody's excited about uh, um, Marcus Crowley and uh, Mayan Williams off last year. Master Teague's been all Big Ten like twice, once. He's got a lot of, he's got well over a thousand yards career rushing. Master Teague, I love Master Teague, and he is looking like he is ready to <laughs> blow it out. Now, here's the deal. Eddie George, oh, by the way, Heisman Trophy winner, his junior year at Ohio State uh, was a year where John Cooper, even though Eddie had a really good year, John Cooper was not satisfied. In spring practice before Eddie's senior year, Coop was like, we need Eddie to hit hit more home runs. Eddie didn't run any, you know, he didn't go the distance very often. Um, I think we all know Eddie had a pretty good senior year. <laughs> so I'm saying... Those of you who are out on Master Teague for whatever reason, uh, I would get back in now because I think Master Teague is uh, everybody wants the new flavor, newest flavor of the month. Travion Henderson, ah, this guy, that guy. Don't forget the guy who's done it. And I would say the key to Ohio State being a national championship contender is they have to get back to a J.K. Dobbins-like running threat. A uh, guy who can just do it on the ground for you. Bam! Touchdown. And they didn't have that last year until uh, Trey Sermon at the end. And then it's unfortunate Trey Sermon broke his collarbone early in the Alabama game because who knows how that would have changed that game. Probably wouldn't have changed the outcome, but it would have changed the game somewhat. Okay, so um, that's what I would have to say about Ohio State. And I think their offensive line, their offensive line should be just fine. I'll say that. Just fine. I know they lose uh, Wyatt Davis and they lose uh, Josh Myers and they lose Mumford, but they got they got dudes. They got dudes. Paris Johnson and uh, they got dudes. Don't worry about their offensive line. They're going to be fine. Okay. All right. So let's now transition to the faith portion of the podcast. A faith portion of the podcast is no good if it doesn't integrate with your life and doesn't help you in your life right now. So that's what I'm going to try to do here. Um, we are in a uh, period of time where... Our country's very rancorous, very angry, very mad, very polarized. Uh, and I believe God is not happy with that. But I don't believe God is looking at Republican policies, Democratic policies, who the president is, who's the control of the Senate, who's control of the House of Representatives or anything else. I believe God is looking at the church and he's saying, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? I've provided you. Uh, everything you need for life and godliness. I've provided you peace. I've provided you the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. What are you doing? You're just going to church once a week, and uh, you're comfortable, and you're just hoping you can take your masks off and get back in and sing a few hymns and all that? Like, why, why aren't you engaging with the culture? Why aren't you addressing what's going on in the culture? Why aren't you the reason that there's healing? So I believe God's upset, but I believe he's upset with the church, and I believe he's got a reason to be. Okay, so the church has to address the issues in our culture and has to speak to them, not from feel-good man's wisdom, from scriptural truth. And where is that? Huh, one place and one place only. It's in the Bible, okay? So 
What is dividing our country primarily? What is the weapon being used to divide our country primarily? It's not politics. It's not politics, even though that's a, that's a part of it. It's race. It's race. How is Satan dividing us? Hey, you know what? Let's divide them on something they can't change. Let's divide them on something that is readily apparent. When you're walking down the street, hey, that guy is this race. Hey, this guy is that race. Pretty obvious, right? Can't change your race. And your race is apparent to all. Your heart is not apparent to all. You can walk down the street. You don't know if a person's a Christian, not a Christian. You don't know if they're a Republican, a Democrat. But you know if they're black and you know if they're white. You know if they're Asian. You know if they're, you know, Middle Eastern. So race is a tool of Satan to divide us and to get us fighting and hating each other. And the church, some churches are embracing this divide by embracing Black Lives Matter and critical race theory. Stick with me here. First and foremost, it must be said that racism of any kind is antithetical to the love of God, is, hor- is, is God hates racism. And if you're a Christian, you better be about what God hates. So you better be about hating racism too. Because if you're not, you are in error, okay? So there's no place in the Church of Jesus Christ for white supremacy, nor is there any place in the Church of Jesus Christ for um, critical race theory or for making assumptions about people on the basis of race. Do I have scriptural backing for that? Yes, I do. God is not a respecter of persons. It is said that God is, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. What does God look at? In, uh, in the book of, uh, in, in the story of David, what does God look at? God looks at the heart. When God chose David as the king of Israel, his father had all these other sons, bigger, stronger, faster, five stars. David was a two star. He was a little guy with red hair and a ruddy complexion. And when Samuel went to Jesse, said, these all the sons you got? And Jesse goes, well, I got like the shrimp, the runt of the litter. He's back taking care of the sheep. Bring him out. And he brought him out. And Samuel said, that's the guy. That's the guy. Why? Because God looks at the heart. Am I right on that? Was it Samuel? Look, I just know the story's correct. God looks at the heart. So God doesn't look at race. He doesn't look at your your. He doesn't look at anything. He looks at your heart, okay? So this is so frustrating to me that people in the church, pastors are repenting of their whiteness or whatever. It's just, it's, it's a tool of Satan, okay? Here's how I know that. God is love. His essence is love. And we're all made in the image of God. We're all made in the image of God. So there's no way that, that God wants someone made in his image, white or black, hating someone else made in God's image because they are white or black. That is stupid. That is satanic. Racism has no place in the church of Jesus Christ. No place. It is evil. It is wrong. It is a tool of Satan. And it is being used by people who hate God to divide our culture. One of the chief 
violators, one of the chief proponents of critical race theory, is Ibram X. Kendi. Now, I hesitate to call people out by name, but Ibram X. Kendi is an agent of Satan. And Ibram X. Kendi, if you're watching this, the reason I can say that and know it's true is because I heard you on the Andrew Claven podcast this past weekend talk about savior theology is a tool of white supremacy. That you said that people who believe in a savior are being told that so they can be enslaved. Well, I believe in the one savior of the world, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for my sins to save me from my sins. And I can tell you don't know anything about and don't have any of the peace of Jesus Christ in your heart. You have, you have not experienced the forgiveness of Christ at the cross if you believe that Savior theology enslaves you in any way. In the book of Romans, Paul writes, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. If you want to be free, brother, if you want to be free of guilt, of shame, of past deeds you've done, of things you've said, of attitudes you've harbored. There is only one place to find that freedom, and that freedom is in the forgiveness you experience from Jesus Christ at the cross. So Ibram X. Kendi, who is a proponent of critical race theory, that everything is racist and that everything, the reason for everything is race, and the reason for everything is because one race is disadvantaging another. That is a lie from the pit of hell. From the pit of hell. And... I have zero doubt about that. I want to read you three verses out of Proverbs, maybe actually four. You know, guys know I spend a ton of time in Proverbs. So let me start <clears throat> with a verse that I think applies to anyone who uses race. White supremacists, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, Ibram X. Kendi, Nicole Hannah-Jones, Rashida Tlaib, AOC, um, Ayanna Presley, anybody who's putting out critical race theory to divide America, to divide people, to damage the church, any pastor who subscribes to it. I'm talking to you, um, Jubilee Mennonite Church in Bell Fountain, Ohio. Um, Proverbs 26, verse 24. A malicious man, and that's whoever whoever uh, holds up critical race theory is anything other than satanic. A malicious man disguises himself with his lips, but in his heart, God looks at the heart, in his heart he harbors deceit. Though his speech is charming, do not believe him, for seven abominations fill his heart. His malice may be concealed by deception, but his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. If you think God won't expose the error of critical race theory and hold those who use it as a weapon, as a cudgel, as a sledgehammer against healing and peace in our nation, you are sorely mistaken. Proverbs 27, verse 3, stone is heavy and sand a burden, but provocation by a fool is heavier than both. Anyone who tries to wrap critical race theory in something godly, something good, something of Jesus, that Jesus would be a proponent of it, is a fool. And they are provoking you because they are doing the work of Satan. 
Proverbs 28.5. Evil men do not, and this is the other thing. Oh, well, critical race theory, Bruce, is an avenue to social justice. It's an avenue to um, whatever kind of justice. I heard the other day research justice. You can't pay attention to research from white scientists because it's it's racist. Look, justice, as John MacArthur says, justice does not require an adjective. Justice is justice. In 1 Peter 2.23, it says Jesus, even though he was accused and he was innocent of everything, he issued no threats. He trusted himself. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And that's the sovereign God of the universe. That's where justice is found. That's where justice exists. You don't need to modify justice with an adjective. So, Proverbs 28.5, Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it fully. If Ibram X. Kendi is saying that Savior theology is enslaving and is a tool of, of people who want to enslave you, then he does not understand justice because he is not seeking the Lord. And it says right there from the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, that those who seek the Lord understand justice fully. Well, if Ibram X. Kendi's not seeking the Lord, any portrayal he would have or any quantification he would have or any characterization he would have of justice is the characterization of a fool. And he is a fool, and anyone is a fool who believes in critical race theory. The final verse today, Proverbs 29, 26. You want justice? Here's where you find it. Proverbs 29, 26. It is from the Lord that man gets justice. Not from men, not from proponents of critical race theory, not from proponents of white supremacy, not from proponents of anti-Asian bias or hate. It is from the Lord that men get justice. And I am so passionate about that because I know what I've been spared of. I know the guilt, the shame, the penalty for my sin, which is many that I have been spared of through the love of Christ at the cross, through his courage in dying for me, though he was innocent so that I could be redeemed. And that is a peace that cannot be taken from me. It cannot be shaken. And no matter who tries to infringe on it, divide it, uh, reshape it, and accuse people who have had that forgiveness in Jesus Christ of being racist, is ridiculous, ridiculous. But if you're of Christ, you cannot, cannot, I can't say it enough, cannot embrace racism or discrimination in any way, shape, or form. We are all part of the body of Christ, and we have love for our brothers. Greater greater love hath no man that he would die for his brother. That's what Jesus did for us, and that's what we are called to do is lay down our life for others, and you can't do that if you're harboring racist thoughts toward anyone. So the church better get busy, and it better be get bu- and it better get busy speaking truth in that regard. And if not, it's doing the work of Satan, and it's a false church. And any pastor who would preach critical race theory, or repentance for whiteness, or repentance for blackness, or repentance for anything other than sin, is a pastor in error and not worth one second of your time. So, uh, with that, I will uh, leave you. That makes me more angry than any. Uh, result of any sports game or any team or any coach 
because your eternal soul is at stake in that equation. And um, that's why I'm so passionate about it. So um, send me an email. We tackle life at gmail.com. Review the podcast on iTunes. Let me know what you think. Um, look forward to talking to you again on Wednesday. Have a great day. Thank you.